expected to announce an indoor mask mandate for all residents two and older. It would include gyms, schools, restaurants, bars, grocery stores, and indoor venues. Republican lawmakers in Texas are expected to advance controversial legislation today tightening voting restrictions. CBS's Maria Villarreal is in Austin. The bill bans drive through and 24-hour voting, increases ID requirements for mail-in ballots, gives more powers to partisan poll watchers, and limits voter assistance. I expect a vigorous uh, debate. House Republican James White sponsored the bill. Is this voter suppression? Are we still talking about that? Some people call it election integrity. Some people call it suppression. And I've worked with them to get undesirable things out of the bill. New unemployment claims up for the first time in five weeks from 349 to 353,000. The economy grew at an annual rate of 6.6% last quarter. This is CBS News. This is Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. Treat yourself to an all-new season of E.T. starting Monday, September 13th. Go to etonline.com for where to watch. I'm one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body. I'm living in the moment and taking Ibrand's Popocyclib. Ibrand's 125-milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR-positive, HER2-negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrand's and visit Ibrand's.com. Ibrand's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrand's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrand's, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. People with asthma can breathe easier about the risk of COVID. Dr. Adam Finn has been a COVID advisor to the British government since the start of the pandemic. And 18 months in, he says one of the big surprises is who turns out not to be at elevated risk of severe illness or death from COVID. Asthmatics are not a group in general who end up in hospital or dying of COVID more than other people. Why isn't clear, but Finn says that's true of adults and children with asthma. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Calling all dirty water dog fans. Oh, I love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. Oscar Mayer wiener mobiles are hitting the streets of New York, Chicago, Atlanta, and L.A., surprising Lyft XL riders. The meat maker says the 27-foot-long hot dogs on wheels are piloted by two five-star drivers and come equipped with music, neon lights, free T-shirts, hot dog masks, and weenie whistles. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SKY, S-K-Y, for this amazing special. Are you a true crime super fan? Join award-winning 48 Hours correspondent Aaron Moriarty on the My Life of Crime podcast. Name the 2021 Digiday Best Podcast. Each episode pulls you straight into the investigations, including a New York City after party gone horribly wrong, a cold-blooded teen killer looking for a retrial, and more. Season 3 coming this fall. Follow My Life of Crime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. At Ohio Health, we'd like to remind you that the health issues you faced before the pandemic haven't just gone away. That cancer screening you needed, well, you still need it. Your bad knee's not going to replace itself. And when life as you know it stopped, your medical needs didn't. It's time to take back your health safely. And just like always, Ohio Health is here to help you do it. Visit OhioHealth.com to find out more. Hi, this is Tyler. My wife, Misty, and I are the new owners of the True Value Hardware in the Plains, formerly c and We've remodeled the store and added tons of inventory. We still have the repair shop and steel products, but we've also added Husqvarna appliances, Hannity Farms performance feed, and a brand new paint center. 
So stop on by the new True Value Hardware and Farm in the Plains and see the exciting changes we've made. Thank you for shopping local. America's infrastructure connects our communities and makes our nation work. These systems are vital to our everyday lives and Ohio's economy. That's why Senator Rob Portman led the way in passing legislation that makes critical investments in Ohio's roads, bridges, and electricity systems. Critical investments in the infrastructure that makes America and Ohio great. Here's Senator Portman on C-SPAN. Because it is landmark and needed legislation in fixing our nation's roads, bridges, railroads, our ports, our waterways, our electrical grid, our broadband network, and more. It will be a lasting bipartisan achievement to help the people we represent. Repairing our roads and bridges, upgrading electrical systems, and increasing access to information systems is good for our families, good for America, and good for our future. Thank you, Senator Portman, for leading the way on a real infrastructure plan that rebuilds America and invests in Ohio. Thank you for voting to invest in us. Learn more at letsinvestinus.com. Paid for by Citizens for Responsible Energy Solutions. My name is Micah. I'm the Dementia Inclusive Coordinator and Project Specialist for Athens County Cares. I became involved with this project because I want members of my community to have access to the resources they need. My father-in-law had dementia. He and my mother-in-law moved in with us. As caregivers, we struggled to find information and resources to help him and us. The Athens County Care Consultation Program is what I wish we had when we were caring for him. For more information, visit AthensCountyCares.org. Hello, my name is Kevin Tidd. My wife Carrie and I are the owners of the pharmacy on Stimson Avenue. For over half a century, we have been feeding the Athens community and providing customer service that is above and beyond your expectations. It has been our lifelong dream to run our own health and wellness store, and we enjoy doing so every day. Just like how we enjoy promoting our lifestyle on WATH and WXTQ Radio. Radio advertising has worked for us, especially in these trying times, and it can work for you and your business as well. Take it from us, Kevin and Carrie from the pharmacy. Join Kevin Dunnigan and Troy Bowen all season long for the Hewite Honda Football Friday Night Postgame Show. Immediately after the Athens County Game of the Week, join the guys for analysis, information, entertainment, and giveaways throughout the show. Have a question about a game in the area? Driving back from a football game? Call in at 740-592-1055 or toll free at one 592 1055 It's the Hewite Honda Football Friday Night Postgame Show. Friday nights on 105.5 FM, Power 105. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N-S. August 26th, 2001. It's 9.10 in the morning. The party line is on the air. We've got a special guest today. The Sheriff of Athens County, Rodney Smith. We were discussing before the show, I thought I had had him on, well, we'll say more often than we have. But I was wrong. This is his second appearance, so we'll learn a good bit about the Athens County Sheriff's Department. Well, good morning, Rodney. Welcome. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Sure. It's our pleasure. Listen, um, let's let's do a little background from you. Uh, Are you an Athens Countyan through and through, or what? I am. I was born and raised in Athens County. Went to Federal Hawking School. I've lived in Coolville my whole life, uh, except for a little short time where I stayed in the Plains when I was going to Hawking College. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was a correction officer at the sheriff's office going to Hawking College. So I stayed in the Plains just kind of uh, so I could be closer to Hawking College, uh, putting in some long days. So I graduated from there in uh, 1988, and I got married in 1988. So everything in my life kind of started in 1988. 
<laughs> sure. So, uh, yeah, I got uh, married in 1988 and uh, got promoted to deputy in 89. And I worked in that capacity for about 10 years and uh, got promoted to a sergeant. In uh, 2001, I got promoted to lieutenant of operations and uh, worked in that capacity until I retired in uh, 2013. And, well, uh, uh, retirement, and yet you're back in it, aren't you? I, I was. I retired in 2013, and, and my mission, or what I really thought about doing, was uh, getting on the Athens Police Department uh, mm -hmm. as a part-time officer. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity came up to be sheriff in uh, 2014, so I hesitated and thought about it a lot. I really just didn't want to get into politics too much, so uh, you know I hesitantly agreed to become sheriff in 14. But it was one of the best decisions of my life. It was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in in the 50s. You know, one of the biggest challenges I've taken on, but one of my uh, uh, most proud accomplishments. I'm very blessed to be the county sheriff. Uh, I enjoy every day I go to work. So yeah, I live in Athens County, uh, and nowhere else I'd rather live and work in Athens County and. Being the county sheriff is nothing else I'd rather do. I get it. Um, we have a caller already, which uh, we hadn't even gotten very far along here. Good morning. Good morning. It's J.W. Smith. Yes, sir. And Sheriff Smith, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'd love to hear your your uh, your uh, uh, PSAs on the radio and stuff, and you got the right last name, too, so that really helps. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. But I'm going to tell you how I'm so glad to, to hear your visit today. I want to just float something with you and get your advice. Um, so I'm teaching a class uh, this semester on race and ethnicity in the field of communication studies, you know? Sure. And yesterday we, you know, we had this discussion about social justice and race. And now there's a section of the class that deals with the law coming up later on. But I was really struck, Sheriff, and you probably, you probably get this, but I was really struck by how anti-police the students are. Um, I, I'm going to bring in, I want to bring in a couple of police to talk with them about issues of race and social justice. What are your thoughts on this topic? It, it's very disturbing to me, especially since my father was a policeman for 15 years in Chicago. So I just sat there yesterday and I'm like, wow. I mean, they were vehement about no police, don't want any, don't see any purpose for them. <laughs> Well, to start off with, I've I've had a lot of conversations. You know, I've 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 been around law enforcement my whole adult life, <clears throat> and you know things things have changed, things have evolved through the years, and you know I tell people now I said, society needs police more than ever. I mean, mm. ev everybody has an expectation and and a right, in my opinion, to feel safe mm. in their homes and in their neighborhoods. When I became sheriff, I mean, it really started within our organization to uh, what, what I wanted to get across was to treat everybody with dignity and respect. And I wanted that to grow out to how we treated people out in our communities. Yes. So uh, it was not negotiable for me. You know, we, we had to treat our, our constituents, our people that paid our wages uh, with dignity and respect. And it, it starts with, with how you approach them. We're, we're recently uh, with the uh, Appalachian Training Center with John Bourne in the Voinovin Center. We uh, have some training on de-escalation. Mm -hmm. And it's really the approach and, and how you conduct yourself when you talk to people. And uh, in, in those uh, videos, there's different scenarios. They don't necessarily violate policy, but it's the approach. It's how you treat people. It's, it's how you approach them with respect. And, and I think uh, it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be an uphill battle, but things are changed in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. But there's uh, never been a, a better time to be a, a, a law enforcement officer, <clears throat> in my opinion. Right. Uh, there's no, not a more noble thing you can do if it's done correctly, and, and I intend to, you know, continue that battle of uh, t treating people with respect. And really, at the, at the core of every every human being, everybody wants it to be treated with respect. Mm -hmm. May I contact you and talk with you about either you or you and a couple or someone coming to do that presentation for me later on in the semester, if, if it works for your calendar? Absolutely. You call my office, and uh, we'll make that happen. 
Yeah, I, I just, uh, I am just struck by the, I mean, and comments yesterday were like, um, uh, I mean, I don't mind the police as long as they don't have guns. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was just, uh, I just didn't know what to say. So when we get to that section, I want to talk with you. And, it, and I would, I mean, I, I think you have those kind of communication skills that, and I think you could handle an audience of, you know, well-meaning, very um, inquisitive young people who just really need to hear from, I think, police officers down here. Absolutely. And, and one of the messages I'd like to get across is it's not us against you. It's not us against mm. them. We're on the same side. We, we have the same goals. Or we have the same mission to uh, mm. keep, keep our, our citizens safe and keep our county safe and our, our uh, state safe and you know, our nation's safe. So we, we have the goals, but we just want to articulate that to some people that maybe had some bad experiences with police officers. And just one more thing. Before um, before I changed the discussion yesterday, I said, uh, has any of you ever needed the police? <laughs> and uh, one of them just sort of said, you know, it's a certain incident, but not really, really. And I'm like, I said, I really hope you never do. <laughs> well, you uh, know, I, I had a podcast, and, and uh, some lady was uh, – after me pretty good just saying the same thing you know right. she's lived in this area never needed a police and in my response was what about the people that do mm. you know we we uh, statistically mm -hmm. deal with six percent of the population mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we deal with those six percent of the population really to you know uh control fear and control crime mm -hmm. so everybody's safe and, and there's still those six percent need us they're, they're they're human beings as well they're they're people that, right. that need assistance from law enforcement What's the best number or email to contact you at? Uh, Sheriff Smith mm -hmm. at AthensSheriff.com. Sheriff Smith at Athens. Thank you so much, sir. You're very welcome. JW, we'll see you later, man. Okay, brother. Okay. Bye -bye. Um, <clears throat> so, Rodney, um, dignity and respect. And that comes um, truly from both sides. It, 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 you know, you can't have someone being disrespectful and and um, and and so on to you or any officer without asking them to behave, right? That's right. Well, <clears throat> as I always tell you know people that there's always a difference. You know, you have to understand the difference between if if you're uh, dealing with an intoxicated person, and they're pulling away because they're scared. They, they don't understand what's going on. That's one difference. Another difference is somebody is posturing. If they're going to be assaultive, that's another difference. So you have to know the difference. Mm -hmm. So we, we work hard on de-escalation de skills because there, there are people like these students that you talk to that that's what they think. That's what they believe. So we, we have to work hard, very hard, to de-escalate de situations and go into it with dignity and respect. But absolutely, you know, we're... We're not in the business of being assaulted and, and uh, uh, spit on anything like that. But our, our first approach is, is going to be to treat people with respect. Let's talk about the staff. Um, the size of the Athens County Sheriff's Department. Um, if I, I was looking through some papers here, and it looks to me like you've got uh, uh, maybe 35 people. And, um, and then there's these different designations like captains detectives some abbreviations i don't understand so just go down uh the list generally okay we we have a, a distinct chain of command i mean i uh we're pro-military so we we start out with myself and uh, we have two captains so i have one captain of operations so he handles the day-to-day -day businesses and takes care of the patrol division uh, the second captain is, is really in charge of policies, procedures, and, and I recently put him in charge of our school resource officers. Okay. Uh, we have detectives. We have two detectives that works property crimes and violent crimes, such as, uh, you know, large B&Es, murders, uh, felonious assaults. We have one detective that's assigned to our major crimes unit, which we're very lucky to have. We're, we're part of a major crimes unit, which is out of Athens, Fairfield, Franklin and, and Pickway County. So uh, myself. Well, what constitutes a major crime? Uh, a major crime is uh, 
is, is major uh, drug offenses, major uh, drug traffickers. Okay. So what we try to do, and, and the reason we, we've hooked up with, you know, out of uh, Fairfield, Hawk, um, not, I'm sorry, not Hawking, Fairfield, Franklin, is we try to cut off the supply line of drugs coming into Athens County. So there's always Which often one, comes from the south, does it? It normally comes from, from Columbus that way. Oh, so coming down. They coming down from Columbus down that's the corridor. Okay. So if we can shut off those supply lines and, and that's basically, you know, because you know, we know that drugs coming into Athens County no juris, don't know jurisdictional lines. So wherever they come from, we try to stop them before they get there. We have went different places to arrest dealers what we know that supply drugs into Athens County. And to augment that, we have a criminal interdiction unit. And I implemented that in 2016 because I, I uh, actually had some people come to my office and say they didn't feel safe sitting on their porches because there were drug houses, uh, hypodermic, ne hypodermic needles, and just uh, really a lot of activity in the neighborhood. So we implemented that to kind of shut down those lower-level drug houses. And, and the reason that's so important is because every crime that we've had, and 85 to 90% of crimes lead back to drugs. Hmm. So what we call the lower hanging fruit, which is the smaller drug houses, but this is where the bad things happen. This is where we've had all of our murders. These, these are where the things happen, you know, the fights, the people that uh, really cause havoc in neighborhoods. So we, we enacted the uh, criminal addiction unit to uh, shut those uh, houses down. We have one detective that's assigned to Children's Services, and and she basically works uh, crimes against juveniles, against children, and she stays busy. So she she's all she works with Children's Services. So any any crimes, uh, sex crimes, or any any major crimes that happens to uh, uh, juveniles, she exclusively works that. So she she spends a lot of time and does a great job doing that. Now you know in the military, you know that a captain is higher than a lieutenant and um, a colonel is higher than a captain, and so on and so forth. Uh, are the terms, um, is there a certain hierarchy to these terms also? It is. The captains are right below me. They're right below the sheriff. Lieutenants, we have four lieutenants which are below the captain. Uh, when there's not a supervisor, there's not a lieutenant working, we have what we call an OIC, which is an officer in charge. Mm -hmm. So there's always somebody in charge of a shift, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sure. Now, um, <clears throat> so these de de detectives, are they of a captain level or lieutenant level or, you know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah, they're their own entity in, in the contract. when you they're, they're called master detectives. I see. So they, they get pay raises. So when they start out as a detective, they're at level one, two. Then once, once you get to level three, it's, it's a level three or master detective. So... Our, our two detectives are really good. They've, they've been doing this for quite some time. I often jokingly call them the field goal kickers because I said, you know, we have a, a major crime, something that's when we call you in to, to kind of finish the game for us. So anytime the deputy goes onto a scene where it's, uh, it's, it's a big scene, it's a, it's a big burglary, it's a felonious assault, a murder, or, or a rape, something like that, we call in the detectives, and uh, that's, that's their job to uh, finish out those cases. So... Um on this, on this second level, when we're putting it, detectives, uh, two of which are in crime, one in, uh, what was MCU stand for? Uh, Major Crimes Unit. Oh, yes. And uh, one in Children's Services. Now, the next level down, you have four lieutenants. Right. Now, are, are they sort of a jack-of-all-trades or what? No, they, they are directly below the captains. They answer to the captain. Uh, they're exclusive job is their first line supervisors they supervise every shift so i have a lieutenant on every shift day shift afternoons uh they work 12-hour shifts they love it uh so they they're higher than the detectives i guess on a, on a scene but the detectives are are so uh uh trained in what they do you know we we the t uh, lieutenants really don't bother them they're really uh, just there to help help control the scene mm -hmm. um you know, we we care a lot here at the station about uh, pets and that sort of thing. So the dog warden and all of that, that does fall under your office, right? It does. Actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, dog warden of Athens County. I think this is uh, our third year, and uh, things are going well. You know, I, I talked to the commissioners and uh, about taking over the warden, the dog warden. Uh, one of the things that I, I didn't want to happen. I wanted a no-kill shelter, mm -hmm. and that's what we do. We we're, uh, work very closely with the friends of the shelter. Uh, 
we, we try to uh, find a forever home for all the, the pets and the animals, and I think we do a pretty good job of that. So uh, I have a, the guy, uh, Ryden Gillette, he runs the dog shelter, and he does a very good job. We have a good staff down there, and, and again, the Friends of the Shelter have, has been great for us. They really uh, sure. help us in uh, you know, t- finding some uh, adoptions, some forever homes for the, for the animals, for the dogs. And, folks, uh, <clears throat> I've been here a long time, but there was a time when if an animal didn't get to, uh, a home wasn't found for them in a certain period of time, they were euthanized. So um, I think... Uh, Current policy is totally against that unless the dog's in bad health. That's exactly right. Um, they have a committee, and no one person makes that decision. It's the shelter and, and friends of the shelter. Uh, and, and the only, yeah, you're right, the only time they would do that would be if, if his health is at, uh, an issue or if it's if it's so mean we can't adopt him out and it's right. a danger to a person. So that's that would be the only two scenarios that, that, that would ever happen. I see here a listing for one environmental deputy. Now, what was that? Environmental deputy is very important in Athens County. Uh, what, what they do, we, we respond to any complaints of, of uh, trash or litter. Uh, we actually work a grant, and you'll see uh, one of our vehicles on the highways. Uh, they're uh, picking up trash, so we mm. take people out, pick up trash along the highways. Um, so we, we also work with the county health department, and they, they just respond to any uh, any litter that's in the creeks. You know, our waterways is very important, so we make sure that we try to find if somebody's littering in the creeks or waterways or if they're just leaving trash in uh, places they shouldn't be. So we clean it up, and we try to find any documentation who may have left the trash, and we uh, might have le- le- left the trash, and uh, we try to uh, contact them and see if we can uh, cite them or make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, you have a bunch of um, patrol deputies, so those are presumably people out in a um, sheriff's vehicle watching for people that are not uh, obeying or not driving properly. We do. We actually have deputies out, again, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, along with the lieutenants. Uh, <clears throat> it's it's part of the, uh, the Buckeye State Sheriff's Association, and, and one of the things that I always like and i like to talk about is if you see a, a sheriff's cruiser which every sheriff and there's 88 sheriffs in the state of ohio so it's called the buckeye state sheriff's association we have like a mutual aid agreement it's very unique for the state of ohio we don't have a state police we have the buckeye state sheriff's association which means all 88 sheriffs and all 88 counties kind of work together and that takes place of a state police we have the state patrol which basically for the most part, works in state on state property or on the state highways or the roadways, but the majority of the uh, crimes that happen, you know, falls within the sheriff's association. So that's why you see all the cars are marked the same from Cleveland all over the state of Ohio. So mm-hmm. it's unifying that all the sheriffs kind of work together. We get together once a year and uh, just have a meeting so we can get trained on what needs to be trained in law enforcement plus the the sheriff's training. And I try to get that done in February of every year. We only have a few more categories to go, folks. What's an SRO? An SRO is a school resource officer. Oh. And that's, uh, we, well, we have one in Tremble. That's really important stuff. It is important stuff. We have one in Tremble. We have one at Tri-County School. We also have a new uh, DARE officer. His name is Jason White. And uh, so he bounces from school to school because I think it's so important that we educate our children on, on the dangers of using drugs. And I think that if the earlier we can educate them and keep them off the drugs, and uh, the longer they go into school in their lives, the less likelihood that they ever will try or experiment with drugs. And that's ultimately our goal is to uh, educate them so they never try drugs. That's, that's just part of our education program. Um, just cover the last few, if you will. Um, we've got um, transport deputies. We have criminal interdiction slash canine unit. And of course, you have a number of, uh, of, of different employees that help in the administrative capacity. Now, uh, I recently had to get a background check for uh, something I was doing and went down there and they filled out the form for me and I paid them a small fee and goes to the Secretary of State's office and eventually came back saying, you know, you're okay. <laughs> but, 
you know, they, that's uh, there's all sorts of little things like that that happen on a daily basis, right? That's exactly right. People wouldn't understand, you know, uh, how busy our transport people are. We have two deputies. That's all they do is transport. The first one, he transports from the regional jail, and he, he brings uh, inmates down to the court so they can see the judge or go to court. Mm-hmm. So that's extensive. We have a van, and actually we, it holds, uh, we can hold 11 people. So uh, about every day it's filled up. So that officer will be staying with people, the inmates, until they're done with court. We have one deputy that that's all he does is uh, throughout the state of Ohio or anywhere, if somebody flees our jurisdiction, there's warrants. Uh, that's basically his job to go uh, pick up those inmates. Uh, it falls within the sheriff's office responsibilities to uh, pick up inmates from anywhere in the state or anywhere in the United States. Uh, and you're right. Our administrative staff uh, work very hard. We uh, have a, a lot of things we have to do. We The background checks. Also, we have a sexual offender program. We have to do DNAs. If somebody gets indicted on felonies, they have to come to the sheriff's office and uh, get their DNA done. That's, that just takes a lot of time. We have to do violent offenders. Uh, we have to do arson offenders. And uh, it's it's just... Uh, when you say do, what's that mean? Uh, register them. Okay. Register the arson offenders, and we have to register all those people. Well... <clears throat> Um, all of these things are to try to have a handle on um, who needs to be watched insert if something happens and to protect those people that are not um, boy how do I see all this well I, maybe it's to help keep track of them and keeping them, them in compliance so we know where they live and they're, they're in, in compliance with the court orders and what they should be doing. So they come to us and they register, and, and we do compliance checks, and we make sure that they're staying on board with what the court order or whatever state statute says they, has to, they have to do. You know, in a phrase it just occurred to me, you know, the effort is to make situations good or better, you know? I, I do know, and actually you leading me in, into one of my favorite stories, is uh, that that's what I always say. When we go out to do, we go on calls. You know, someone once said to me, they said, don't you get sick of, of going on going on the same calls time after time? And I say, no, I said, because we're probably not doing our job right. You know, we, we have to make that situation better. We have to walk away from a situation that we've not just put a Band-Aid on it, but made that situation better. And the story I like to tell is there was uh, – this young man, he was in Raleigh, North Carolina. He wanted to be a police officer, mm-hmm. and he was doing a police interview, and he wasn't doing well. One of the lieutenants knew him from when he was younger, so he just spoke up, and he asked him, he said, why do you want to be a police officer? And he said when he was a, a, a small child, he was 10 years old, his brother was six, and his, her, his mother had a lot of boyfriends, and she got assaulted and abused on, on a lot of occasions. And one particular night, he was really afraid for his mother and his brother, so he called the police. They came down and took uh, they took care of the situation. They actually arrested this guy. <clears throat> and one of the police officers stopped and looked at him. He said, look, anytime you want us, you give us a call. We're here to help you. And, and that uh, young man at the police interview said that meant so much to me that there, there was, I had nowhere else to turn. When I called the police, these they, the police officers showed up, and they made my situation better. And I, I want to do that for other people. So, yeah, we go into situations. That's exactly what, what our intentions are to make that situation better. I don't believe we can arrest our way out of every situation. Sometimes that's necessary when it meets a criteria of people ha- that have to be arrested. But in most cases, if, if we can go in and make a situation better, that's, that's a, a win. That's our goal. I really hate to bring this up, but, um, you know, we had this situation some months ago, George Floyd. And um, um, this guy was clearly misbehaving, but uh, the manner in which he was treated, uh, there's some question marks there, too. Um, In my mind, there's no question marks. When, you know, that that, uh, George Floyd was on the ground asking or telling everybody he could not breathe, there is no excuse in my mind where, why he didn't get medical treatment immediately. There is no excuse in my mind why 
someone, this officer, well, I wouldn't even call him an officer. He, he wasn't an officer once he started doing that. Continued to put his knee and pressure on his neck when he couldn't breathe for any reason. So that should never happen. And, you know, he, he got justice. That's what should have happened. So it's, it really falls back on training. And really, we train twice a year on use of force. We train twice a year on uh, policies, procedures. And uh, we just make sure we do what we can just to reaffirm that's not how we treat people. And that's not the proper technique if you want to hold someone down. Uh, it, in that situation, there was a lot of officers there. They weren't in, they was not in danger. There is really no excuse, no reason why that uh, George Floyd couldn't have gotten medical attention immediately when he said he could not breathe. There's just uh, no excuse in my mind on that. You know, but in my military basic training, I remember being taught that procedure, that activity. <coughs> but yes, it, you know, nine minutes and 26 seconds or whatever it was, um, certainly uh, with multiple officers on hand, they could have put him in cuffs and uh, all those sort of things and, and um, settled him down. Well, one of the things, you know, I I don't want to tie the, the deputy's hands, and I don't want them to be uh, hesitant when they have to use force. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is make sure they're trained well enough to know the difference, as we talked about earlier. And the difference is George Floyd was lying on the ground. He was secured. He could not breathe. There was plenty of help there, which th there there could be times where you have to use force. You know the training, and you got to understand the situation and there, there's a case law basically says, what would a reasonable police officer do in that situation? Right. So if you sit back and think about it, you know, would, is that reasonable to, to have your knee on someone's neck for nine minutes? Well, you have plenty of help. And then really, in Athens County, we're very rural. We, we have 503 square miles. And, and a lot of times you're in a situation by yourself. So you have to, you know, act accordingly in those situations. Uh, some of the cities, they have backup within a couple minutes. In different situations, we may not have backup for 15 or 20 minutes. So there could be the nearest, there could be an officer in, uh, or two officers in Gloucester, one in Coolville. If there was a situation, you know, there's, it's going to be, it won't, it won't be immediate backup. You know, we try to plan it, you know, when, when the calls come in and try to keep officer safety and backup as much as we can. But it's, it's just a big county and it's not always possible. The, um, the administrative uh, staffer who helped prepare some notes for me included a sentence that said a news reporter once asked what would we not know about the sheriff's office i thought that was such an interesting question and so i put it forward to you today actually yes i was asked that question by a, a newspaper reporter and and she said what what wouldn't we know about the sheriff's office and my answer was it's the planning and preparation you know people just think you go out to a cruiser and you take a call and and that's the end of it. But we, there, there's a lot of work behind. Uh, if you talk to our criminal addiction guys and they do a search warrant, there's pages and pages of documentation and work. We go on calls. There's just, there's just a lot of planning and preparation. If, if we have a burglary, if we have a crime, uh, we, we look at that several times. We, we have the officer look at it. We look at it. Detectives look at it. So there, there's a lot of planning and preparation, even on search warrants. We have uh, a lot of background work we have to do with this so it's it's a lot of work behind the scenes and and that would be my answer just we we do a lot more work behind the scenes than i think the average person would know about you know in our business um <clears throat> well it could be the insurance business it could be any business uh when i started years ago we had typewriters um we had filing cabinets you know that sort of thing um now we have all these computers and we store things in electronically and then um, well anyway the point is there's been so many technological advances in everyday life now uh, I can't help but think that law enforcement has seen maybe even more than we're accustomed to in the way of advances in your in your um, uh, responsibilities. It, now, it, now, you know, 
I'm just going to assume that's true. Can you describe some of the things that have come along in your time and what a difference they've made? Yes, they, they've advanced so much. There's crimes that we solve now with technology that we wouldn't have known about 10 years ago. There, there's uh, an ORS, which is like uh, our major crimes people. They can keep track of somebody abusing prescription drugs. It's a software. There's a Leads Online, which tracks stolen property, which basically if you go to a pawn shop or if you go to a scrapyard and, and you sell something, you have to uh, swipe your driver's license. So we can check on the technology on that. We can check if we have something that's been stolen, if everything's done right, because we also check with our, our men. One of the things our environmental officer has to do is make sure these uh, people are in compliance at the scrapyards. So if we're looking for stolen copper in, in large amounts, we're looking for anything that's stolen, uh, our officers can look at that and swipe those uh, drivers li or look at the who what's been stolen and match it up to maybe a name of, of a scrapyard or a pawn shop. So we find out about property that's been stolen pr pretty quickly if, if, uh, if they pawn it or take it to a scrapyard. Our search warrants, we can actually do search warrants now and the judge can review it and he can go on a, a video chat and have the officer swear to it. So which saves everybody a lot of time, a lot of time. So uh, the deputies can do a search warrant, the judge can review it, and he'll FaceTime that officer. They swear to the, affirm to the truth of the search warrant, and it can be done on the field where before we would have to come in and type out a search warrant, find a judge, everybody has to review it. So now it's, it's done through technology, it's done a lot faster. Mm -hmm. We have uh, night vision goggles, so we can see after dark. We have... Uh, uh, we have a drone unit, which is very good. We actually have two drones now. We uh, we can use those drones if we have a missing person, and and it, it has a FLIR on it, so we can see you know body heat during the night. So if we have a lost person, say in the woods, we can locate them. We can either light up the area and take the drone and have them follow the drone out of the woods. We can set a GPS location, and we can send a rescue team in to uh, rescue them people so we, we have a lot of technology if we do search warrants we can actually go check an area see if there's a, a, a car that is our target so we can we can uh, program the drone to uh, circle a search warrant area so th there's a lot of a lot of technology that's help, helpful we have uh, surfaces every deputy has a surface computer in their car so they can interview they can take photos they can do reports right there from the cruisers there's, uh, what's a bear cat a Bearcat is an armored vehicle, and we've actually in uh, 2013, uh, the sheriff's office, and that was before I was sheriff, had a uh, Brinks vehicle. And at the time, they did not know it wasn't armored. The only thing that was armored was a cab. Okay. So they go into a situation uh, around here, and uh, the person started firing shots at the vehicle. And thank goodness the vehicle came straight on at them. So it only hit the windshield. If he would have came in sideways, we, we would have probably had some officers shot or killed. So when I became sheriff, it, it came available to get uh, an MRAP, which is a big uh, armored vehicle. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wanted to do that is just, just for that fact, the, uh, armored, the armored vehicle, like the Brinks vehicle they had, was not truly armored. It wasn't really safe for the deputies to go to a, a shooting or a high-risk call. Uh, in Coolville in 2020, we had also a person that shot our MRAP, and it took five rounds. And the commissioners were gracious enough to uh, help or finance a Bearcat, which is a smaller version of an armored vehicle. And it's not a militarized vehicle. It's not anything offensive. It's it's armored. It's just uh, where we can take it to places. It's got a pole. Keep going. I apologize for that. It, it has a pole working insert gas and keep the deputies safe. So it's really an officer safety issue. If there would happen to be a sniper around, we, we could go under fire. Uh, there's really nothing, uh, no small arms around this area that can penetrate the uh, our armored vehicle. So we have that in our, our garage, and we're very, very thankful for the uh, Athens County Commissioners to uh, support the Sheriff's Office and their communities. I think we all have the same mindset of, we can't grow. I don't believe we can grow unless we can maintain a safe community, safe neighborhood. And I think the commissioners are all on board with that, and uh, we're very appreciative of that. 
So, uh, of course, there was an organization um, years ago that was founded called the the Buckeye State Sheriff's Association. 1931 it was uh, founded. Uh, You're an active member of that, right? I am. And when you go and talk to your counterparts, your, your people like yourself, but from other areas, how do you feel about Athens? You know, the last sheriff's school, and I'm, I'm not demeaning any other county, the last sheriff's school I went, we do, uh, we talk to each other and, and just talk about what's what's working and what doesn't in, in each of our counties. And when I came back, I thought, I am so blessed to be living in Athens County and working in Athens County with this community, with the support that we have. Uh, I, I really uh, make a, a concerted effort to get along with all office holders. But I think in large, we, we have a, a great group. We have a great group of uh, office holders from everywhere, from the commissioners to the prosecutor's office to the treasurer, auditors. All those are uh, really good to work with. And, and you hear those stories about a lot of uh, animosity. And, uh, you know, I work really hard trying not to make that happen. It's just not productive. It doesn't uh, help our mission, our goal to ke- uh, keep our community safe. So I, I never try to really get off that mission of uh, – not losing sight of who we work for and what our mission is. You are certainly aware that there is, at least presently and and over the last year or so, uh, a great deal more criticism of law enforcement officials. Um, and and I suspect even some of the people you've dealt with in Athens County have been critical but it's it's kind of a phase that people are going through but there was some stuff that caused it you certainly are working hard to make sure your staff uh, doesn't give people those reasons right that's exactly right what um, what's your take about these places that have failed you know, I, I see on TV and I see some of the officers doing what, what happened to George Floyd and other situations, and, and you just you shake your head. You're like, why? What were you thinking? I mean, because it, it is frustrating when, when, you know, Athens police, OU, and I know our local law enforcement work so hard to accomplish these goals and to build uh, trust within our communities and have them respect law enforcement. And you see, and, and unfortunately, I had... A guy tell me one time, he said, you know, you can do a thousand things right in law enforcement and mess up one time, and that's what to remember. So that that's just the reality we have to deal with. But the, the only thing that I can control is what we do. And and I try that every day. We wake up every day, and, and that's our mission, to build trust in our communities and work with our communities. And as I said before, to make sure that people know it's not us against them. We're, we're not at odds. We're, we're on the same side. We're on the same team. And uh, – just like the school with this gentleman called earlier, we'll go. We, we want to talk to those people and, and try to show them that we're, we're just people of the community. You know, we take on different responsibilities, different jobs. We're, we're no different from anyone else. But we certainly have a drive and an ambition to, to keep our community safe. Do you have to work in um, cooperation or I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what word I should say here but alongside a variety of other departments within our county. Uh, within the city, you, you've got the Athens Police Department itself. You have the fire department. Um, you have various different fire departments in the outlying areas. Even, um, I guess we got some law enforcement up in Nelsonville. Um, do these relationships... Are they all cool, or or do you think they could be better? Actually, uh, I went to the police academy with the Athens Police Chief Tom Pyle. So back in 1988, I believe, we went through the academy together. So we, we've been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, – I've, I've always been had a lot of gratitude or a lot of appreciation for Tom Pyle and Andrew Powers, which is the uh, police chief of Ohio University. As soon as I became sheriff under those situations, those uh, when I, my predecessor uh, got indicted – so they, they come to me immediately and started just kind of inviting me into their world, so to speak. And 
we became actually close friends and we're very like-minded. I mean, I think we, we run our offices very similar to, to a certain extent. So uh, I have a good relationship with them. The Nelsonville police chief, I've known him for a long time. He's uh, worked for BCI. So I think it's very important, especially with the county sheriff, because everything falls within our jurisdiction. So it's, uh, it's uh, always advent advantageous for us to make sure that we get along and work with others. And that's, that's what we try to do. Um, do you have, um, turnover? Actually, I have. When I became sheriff, um, and, and our unit numbers are five. Our county is alphabetically, it's five. So, uh, I started it with 540 and we're at, uh, 552. So I've, I've been able to hire 12 officers within uh, seven and a half years I've been there. And I don't regret one of them. We really put a lot of thought and a lot of research in when we hire deputies and, one of the things we try to do is make sure we just hire good people. You know, hire somebody that has a good heart. They, they want to help people. And uh, most of them are, um, have military experience, which is a plus in my mind. A lot of them uh, just started just brand new. They didn't have a, a lot of experience, but we, we have a good training program. Mm -hmm. So we put them through what we call an FTO program, which is pretty extensive. It's about a 15-week program. So they're assigned with an officer, and it goes uh, – it's, it's – uh, has a lot of forms, a lot of paperwork to do, but it's, it's worth it at the end. They, we, we have a good product, a good officer when they come out. And actually one of the things I do to encourage it is, is if the dof officer and we find out, you know, somebody calls say, Hey, you know, officer so-and-so has done something good. Uh, for example, one, one officer went to a call where this, uh, little girl got her pumpkin stolen uh -uh. and he felt so bad. He went to the store and, and bought some pumpkins and brought back to her. Right. And I just wrote him a letter thanking him for those acts of kindness and saying it's just an honor to have people with that kind of mindset and that kind of heart working for Athens County. And it's encouraged to be to be kind like that. And I think if, if hopefully, you know, that's that's going to be the new future, the new wave of law enforcement to have good people. That's not going to be kneeling or putting putting their knee on someone's neck. We, we, we have to get away from that. We have to we have to do better than that. We've got about six minutes remaining. That's. And I don't want to end on a bad note by any means. Uh, and I'm not even sure this could be a bad note. But uh, sh shut up, Palmer. Just go on. Okay. <clears throat> what is it that you'd like to do that you haven't been able to accomplish yet? And, and you know, why haven't you been able to do so, if, if there is such a thing? I, I guess... What I, I, I've, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I, I think when I, when I came in, and just, just because of the, the grace of the commissioners and, and the hard work of my staff, I think we've came a long way. It's, it's just always challenging to, to maintain that pace. I mean, we, we come to work every day with our ears back, and, and we try to work hard. Right. And we know that you know, 85 to 90 percent of all crimes lead back to drugs. So we, we have a never-ending battle. So my goal would be to you know have that lesson I'm, i wouldn't sit here and tell everybody there'll be no drugs in in this county there's going to be but we're, we can we can reduce the amount of drugs coming in we can get people that's addicted and get their quality of life better if we can get a, a drug addicted person to get them find them some help if we can get programs and successfully get people off drugs and they can get back and have a quality of life for their family i think that would be a success so it's it's really it's really just maintaining hard work and uh, if we can maintain those goals and, and really just continue to have safe communities, uh, when I end my career, I'll, I'll be very happy with that. What's your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby is uh, I'm a motorcycle guy. Oh, yeah? Uh, I, I have a 23-year-old son that uh, when he turned five, I bought him a, a dirt bike. <laughs> so he's 23 years old now. We still ride motorcycles together. And uh, it's we have a great time. So it's it's a win for me when, when a dad can uh, ride his motorcycle was 23 year old son and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, my wife, I have also have a street bike. She loves to ride a street bike. So that's, that's the thing that we, we do in our off time. So uh, my, my hobbies are motorcycles. I love motorcycles and any day I spend on a motorcycle is a good day. I got you. I uh, was uh, out in Wyoming. <clears throat> I was a, a, what do you call it? A test rider for Kawasaki <clears throat> years and years and years ago. 68, 67, 68. Anyway, 
Well, listen, uh, Ronnie, I, I appreciate what you folks have been doing down there. And um, I've known a number of the previous sheriffs. And uh, um, I just um, I like the way you're doing it. Thank you. So uh, keep it up. And uh, listen, anytime we can help you by spreading the word about something, please make sure your staff lets us know or you personally. Okay? Thank you very much. All right. Scott, what do we got here? Uh, about um, three minutes, I guess. Um, yep, it any, looks that way. Anything significant back there for well, you? I just you know, would like to add my thanks to, to the Sheriff Smith and all they do for our, our county and area. And I think, you know, we hear so many things that are, are detrimental that, you know, we need to – Thank these guys for protecting our area and uh, doing what they do, and a lot of it goes unnoticed. And uh, I just want to add my thanks, too. And they do so many good things for our county and our region, too. So, folks, uh, you know, if you have time, if you see uh, one of the sheriff's uh, department employees out, uh, one of the detectives, lieutenants, captains, whoever it may be, you know, give them, a, give them a thanks or a nod or something like that. Tell them we appreciate what they're doing, you know. So uh, it's not an easy job, as you and I have talked about on the show here, when you got to make split-second decisions. And uh, they do it with, with great professionalism. Uh, so uh, thank you, Sheriff Smith, for all you do here in the county and, and all the guys and, and girls serving under you, too. Thank you. I appreciate it. You betcha. Folks, you may have noticed yesterday um – we had that uh, real big thunder boomer come through in uh, WATH AM, not our FM, but the uh, AM was knocked off the air for, oh, I don't know, 30, maybe 35, 40 minutes. And um, our engineers got involved right away. There's First of all, when that happens, there was a power failure out there that lasted uh, something like uh, eight minutes. And then we went out there and uh, worked on it a little bit. And um, uh, anyway, we everything's back in order now. But do remember that if you can't hear us right here on 970 AM, we're also over there on 97.1 FM. And we welcome you wherever is easiest for you and uh, all that sort of thing. You see, tomorrow's Friday. We'll be wrapping up the week with a free-for-all edition. Uh, we'll have uh, Coach Art Turf and all that sort of thing. Maybe even hear from Bobby Darren. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Well, we've only been trying for, what, six days in a row now? I guess so. <laughs> Something like that. Maybe longer. <laughs> the third most popular song in history. Yes. How about that? In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. We're just in from the Pentagon of an explosion outside Kabul Airport. No details yet on damage or casualties, but it comes after a warning today of a terrorist threat. Very imminent, very credible, very lethal. A British military official and the U.S. is sounding the same alarm. Correspondent Charlie Daggett reports from Doha, Qatar. That stark warning from the U.S. State Department, stay away. And if you're already there, leave immediately. A, quote, very, very credible intelligence report that an ISIS attack is imminent has forced America, its allies, even the Taliban to order people away from the airport. Chief Pentagon correspondent David Martin on what happens after next Tuesday's deadline passes. It is still possible to send helos to pick up Americans at locations outside the airport, but the odds of reaching every American are getting longer. And it appears increasingly likely thousands of Afghans who once worked for the U.S. will be left behind. A White House official says President Biden has just been briefed on that explosion outside the airport. Six commercial airlines are under Pentagon orders to help bring Americans and Afghan refugees back to the U.S. Delta's among them. CEO Ed Bastian tells CBS this morning his company was already helping. They're emotional missions. The people that we're carrying back are leaving only with the clothes on their back and 
and mm. you know many of them don't even have shoes on their feet. Uh, so we're doing a great job of taking care of them, getting them safely home. Oregon is now one of this country's latest COVID hotspots. Governor Kate Brown has deployed the National Guard to help hospitals dealing with a record number of infected patients. Sam Nash Goth is an ICU doctor at Rogue Regional in Medford. These patients are on such tremendous levels of life support once we stop that they last less than a few minutes. ICU beds in Oregon are at 93% capacity. Some parents in Connecticut are 